messages, and I don't know which one to preach. And I know you're not going to sit here till I preach all three of them. Amen. I left home with one message, and God gave me another one when I got here. And then he gave me another one. So I don't know. Maybe we're getting ready for a revival. Maybe God's fixing to put me somewhere to preach a revival. I don't know. Maybe I'll preach it here. But I just wonder sometimes if you realize that we are blessed people. We are privileged to be here in the house of the Lord today. And uh, I was telling the church earlier, uh, I would hope and pray that some of you got to hear Brother John Hagee this morning. Uh, he sure uh, put some nails in the coffin this morning. And I appreciate preachers that will preach the truth. I appreciate preachers that will tell you that your living needs to improve so you can go to heaven. Amen. Uh, we want to remember Brother Nathan Jennings and continue praying for him. Uh, he is still having seizures, and he's scheduled to preach up there at Brother Jeff's this week. So you pray if it be God's will, he'll be able to go up there and preach the message. Amen. If not, pray for him anyhow that God would continue to heal him. A, a great man. I love Brother Nathan Jennings, pastors over in Tennessee. I've got to hear him several times over the last few years preaching the Word of God. And I'll just be honest with you, we don't have enough good men preaching the Word. We got some out there for a paycheck. We got some out there for popularity. But just good old-fashioned, heaven-sent, sin-killing preachers that'll preach whether they get paid for or recognized, just preach the Word of God. Amen. I was thinking this morning as we were here in Sunday school and <clears throat> things were developing in my mind and my heart and I, I, I thought, Lord, you know in the days of Noah you said it'd be that way in the end times and that's the way we are right now. I believe that with all my heart. I believe we're in the Saturday evening of time. I believe that God is soon coming on the scene to close this thing down and do away with this old world. So I, I just wondered this morning as we were here in service and God was moving early, I, I just wondered how many was ready to get on board. David, go ahead and play that song for me. This song came to my mind uh, that uh, Middle Cross sings and I want David to play it this morning. So you listen as he plays this song. Find the Lord most of all. From the tombs he saw the shield out on the sea. Thought it ordinary men from Galilee. He could see a storm raging mighty and strong. But a man stood up rebuked it and it was gone. Listen to the words now. The ship finally made it into port. He ran and bowed Everybody at hear it? of my Lord. Christ cast his demons out, made him a new creature. When we left, the Lord told him, go be my creature. I got in, I got on. 
sicko ship, it's who's inside of you. I remember when Jesus came into my heart. Amen. Made me different, set me apart. I got Amen. I got on and I'm going through. I got in, I got on and I'm going Beautiful song. Turn it up just a tad, Dave. Talking about the Lordship of Zion. Said if God's dealt with your heart, come and call on Christ. I ran to the altar and called on Jesus. Hey, Amen. Jesus truly moved into your heart you know in the book of Genesis in chapter number 7 and it's talking about Noah building the ark and getting ready uh, in chapter 7 I believe it is verse number 1 if you look there I believe that God called him to come into the ark in that verse if I remember right and God shut the door and I got to thinking this morning as God was moving in the house and in my spirit I got to thinking isn't it time that we get in and close the door? You say, preacher, what are you talking about getting in and closing the door? The song said, I got in, I got on, and I'm going through. Now, if you understand what he's saying in that song this morning, getting in, the door of the ark was only one door. There was no exit door. There was one door to that ark. There was one window to that ark. The door was in the bottom where we could get in and the window was in the top where we could look up and give God praise. So if we're going to get in that ark, we know that God is going to close the door one day permanently. 
There'll be no more hope. There'll be no more mercy. There'll be no more grace because God's going to destroy this world. This world that we live in and we love and we have a beautiful place. I believe Western North Carolina is one of the prettiest places in Eastern Tennessee that you can find in America. Uh, the greenery. I, I never forget what Brother Sidney Hall said the first time he came here. He said, I didn't realize y'all had so much greenery. He was used to his tropical island where it's lush. I mean, vegetation is everywhere. It's thick. And, and he just didn't think about America having the kind of vegetation that we have here in western North Carolina. We're in a blessed place. But if we're going to get in that ark, we need to lay aside everything and listen to God. The people that truly listen to God, if you go back in chapter number 6 in Genesis, the Bible said that the land was full of giants in that day. That had never really stood out to me till I got to thinking this morning as the Holy Ghost was moving on me about giants being in that land. Now, to me, I thought as I got that in my mind this morning, Brother Harrod, in that day, most people were five feet or less. They were short. And I thought about, here's this giant, eight or nine foot tall, and he can stand in a lot deeper water than that five-foot fella. So he was alive. He was one of the last ones to go. But I got to thinking about this too. Because God closed that door, only eight people were saved. Eight people got on board before the flood came. So I'm saying to us this morning, isn't it time that we get on board and close the door? Amen. Let me tell you what we're going to have to close the door to, to ourselves. Amen. Our old fleshly desires. The Bible said the lust of the flesh and the pride of the eye. You know, the trouble of it is we don't realize that we're lusting. Not just for physical touching of men and women, but we lust after things of this world Till it hinders us from serving God. We want to work 24 hours a day to get our toys. And then we want to tell the preacher, well, Sunday's the only day I've got to rest. Sunday's the only day I've got a chance to go ride my toys. So who do you think blessed you with the ability to work and get that? I, now let's go back to the ark. Nowhere in the Bible that I can recall to my mind that it said anybody other than Noah and his children and their wives and his wife ever done anything to the ark. Nowhere in the scripture that I can remember at all. So what is that saying? Everybody that worked on the ark got on the ark. So we're going to have to work. Hello? We're not saved by our works. We work because we are saved. So if we're going to get on that ark, going to heaven, then we must be workers for Christ. Uh, Listen, I I want to go back to that old big boy down there in the bowling alley. That movie or the play The Rapture. (laughs) That old boy was bowling. Had nothing on his mind but bowling. 
But his buddy had going to heaven on his mind and knew his friend wasn't going. So he kept telling him about Jesus, telling him about Jesus. And finally, the old guy as big as me that played that part, finally he accepted Jesus there in that bowling alley. Right in the midst of strike of swinging, God raptured him out. Well, that boy that led him to the Lord ran up the stairs, heard his name called, and shot into heaven shouting. Well, that old boy just got saved. He didn't know anything about church. He didn't know anything about the rapture. And he's standing there at the bottom of the steps, and he's a-folding through the book, looking for his name. That old boy kind of done like this. <clears throat> you might ought to look in recent entries. Meaning he just got saved. He just got in by the skin of his teeth. He made it to heaven. The point of it is, he made it. He made it. How many got on that ark? All that wanted on it before the door was closed. Once that door is closed, friend, there is no hope. I'm telling you this morning, if we're going to get in, we better get in and close that door behind us. Why? Well, let's see what we need to close it to. I said ourselves. What about that lust of the flesh that you have, maybe for alcohol or drugs? You need to close that door. You've heard me say it, and I'll say it again. Beer never went on sale till I got saved. Yeah. So I had to close that door completely. Let me help somebody this morning. Maybe here or somebody that's listening by the airway. If you keep dabbling in it, it'll eventually consume you right back into that hell hole. Everybody heard him preach for 120 years. It's going to rain. And they did not believe it because they never ever saw it rain. Well, believe me, friend, the Word of God is true. And the Word that I'm telling you this morning that's there in the book of Genesis chapter 6 and chapter 7 about the ark and its sailing, if you look there in chapter number 7, I believe it is, and the Bible said, and the floods buried up, lifted it. The same flood that was drowning folks lifted the ark to safety. I said that to say this this morning. The gospel of Jesus Christ is drowned in a lot of folks because they won't let it go nowhere but into their head and never get to their heart. You can have all kinds of head knowledge of God and die and go to hell. They heard him nailing. They heard him sawing. They saw him building. But they never ever accepted the truth that it was going to rain. So everybody heard the message, but everybody didn't receive the message because their old selfishness of their self. Oh, head ain't never right. He's crazy. Well, I've been called crazy before. I've been called crazy on both sides of the fence. We had family reunion yesterday, and some of my own family called me crazy. Said, did you know you was a crazy young'un? I said, come on now. Surely I wasn't. 
My uncle, first cousin J.D., he said, you know, said you was always rambunctious. He said, but I loved you more than anything in this world. And he did. J.D. loved me. He tried to kill me a lot, but he loved me. <laughs> J.D. is 10 years older than me. And when he was 15, I was 5. And we were putting up hay, pitchforking, not throwing the bales. They didn't even bail it then. Behind a team of horses. J.D. lit up a cigarette. I wanted that cigarette. Daddy said, son, you're too young. You can't smoke. I said, hold on. You're going to get this in a minute. Me being selfish, me being what I wanted, I said, oh, I smoke all the time. How many lies yourself? Amen. Daddy said, all right, boy. I said, if I'm going to give you this cigarette, camel non-fielder, said you're going to have to go, I said, I can do it, J.D. J.D. is my hero. He ain't going to give me nothing that hurt me. No. He handed me that cigarette. I said, shh. And this kept on going, fell over backwards. Turned white as a ghost. J.D. got me up, got me to breathing again. J.D. said, what's the matter, you boy? Lied again. I said, stop my brand. I was so sick. I went down to the house and Aunt Pansy, J.D.'s mama was there. And the instant she saw me, she grabbed me and said, what is wrong with you, boy? I'm still white as a ghost. I said, J.D., give me a cigarette. She said, I'm going to kill him. Five-year-old. Well, it'd be child abuse today just to be in the hayloft putting up hay with a pitchfork at five-year-old. Right? So the point of it is, I wanted it. I asked for it. I lied about it, and I got it. They heard him nail it. They heard the message, and they lied theirself into thinking that he's the one that's crazy, and we're okay until the flood came. God had already closed the door, and they couldn't get on board because they knew that was the only safety that they had of ever surviving, but it was a little bit too late. It's too late for a lot of folk this morning. Why? Because God's turned them over to a reprobate mind to believe a lie and be damned. But they want to get on board when it's too late. You say, preacher, what do we need to close the door on? Alcohol? Drugs? Well, let's deal with something a little more personal. What about just being plain lazy? You had the opportunity, but you didn't take it. Everybody around him had opportunity. Everybody heard the message. Everybody saw the boat. But they didn't heed the call to get on board. I'm wondering this morning how many of us hear the message every week and we'll never heed the call to get on board. I wonder how many of us have turned our back to the gospel preaching to the point that we're looking for another Bible, we're looking for another way, 
We're looking for easy believism. We're looking for everything but the truth of God's Word. We're looking for everything but the power of the Holy Ghost. That'll send good Holy Ghost, heaven sent, send killing conviction. They all had conviction after the water got up. But it was too late. It's too late. So I'm asking you this morning as we're here have you shut the door to alcohol and drugs? And, and, and have you shut the door to laziness? You just got lazy on God? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I got to say it. I, if, if God don't change my mind, we're going to have a no excuse Sunday. We are. <laughs> that pricked my heart this morning. Brother John Hagee is preaching that. He said, we're going to have a no excuse Sunday. For those who wasn't here earlier, I'll go back through it. He said, those that come through the door that's cold, we're going to give them blankets. Them that come through the door that's hot, we're going to give them a fan. No excuse. You see where I'm going with this? He said, them that only show up twice a year, Easter and Christmas said, we're going to have Christmas tree and the Easter bunny over here so you'll feel at home because that's the only two times a year you come. He said, we don't want you to feel out of place. But we're going to have no excuse. And he went a long line of list of things that happens in the church that people give for an excuse. And one that stuck out in my mind was that he said, Oh, I have only one day to get some rest. And then he quoted scripture in the Bible that come from the Bible said, There is no rest unless you're in God. And that's the word of God. There is no rest. There is no peace. There is no joy. There is no hope unless you are in Christ Jesus. And if you're truly in Christ Jesus, you'll have a desire to get on the boat before the door is closed. Amen. How many of us put off getting saved before we got saved? Hello? I mean, God, first time he knocked on your little heart, did you say, yes, Lord, here I am. Come get me now. No, no, we didn't do that. No, no, we didn't do that. Years and years and years we run from the calling that God tried to get us saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And by the way, after you got saved, you ran from some things. Woo, now preach a while, preacher. I believe I will. You ran from the calling that God put on your life. I did for 20 years, amen. Took me 20 years of pure hell before I ever surrendered to preach God's Word. You want to go through hell? Just keep on going, friend. Get out of God's Word. Get out of God's will. Get out of God's way and see if you don't go through hell. All of those that were outside that boat perished. If you read the scripture, the scripture said that Noah was the only one found righteous in his day. The only one. So what does that tell me? Everybody drowned outside that boat went to hell. Hello? But everyone wanted on the boat when it got to where they couldn't do it on their own. What are you preaching? You better close some doors to some things in your life. 
You better stop that little hot toddy for the body, that little snort for a little relaxation. You better get up and get to church, amen. You better give your heart to God. You better work as best you can for the glory of God. Listen, Noah worked and worked and worked and worked 120 years so he could be saved. I wish I had time to go into all of that story. You know who Noah's grandpa was? Tell me, Brother Richard. Methuselah, why did he have to die at the age he was? He was old, yeah. But I mean the man over 900 years old should go any minute anyway, right? But see, God promised him he wouldn't go through that flood. So God took him off the scene before the flood came. Hello? He wasn't out there knocking on that door. He wasn't out there screaming, let me in. He is already in the presence of God. Do you know God can take you out of this mess at any time? Hello? Listen, he had to be pretty godly for God to leave him here 997 years. 969 years, excuse me. 969 years. Do you know most of us don't make it 69? Hello? Three score and ten. How many do you know personally that's buried already before the age of 69? A lot of them. You're right, brother. A lot of them. A lot of people are laying in the graves simply too early. <laughs> Let me see if I can help you on another point. My first cousin over there at the homecoming yesterday, Hensley Reunion, Ricky Shelton's his name. He is daddy's sister, baby sister's boy. Married Dennis Shelton. Brother Dennis Shelton was a, a wonderful man. He came here and played music, if y'all remember, and sang for us. Well, his son, Ricky, is my size. He's as tall as I am. But I didn't know till yesterday he weighed 100 pounds more than I do. He weighed 477 pounds. He had 41 years in with Indiana. He uh, was an engineer for the highways and bridges in Indiana. He sat behind the desk for 41 years and drew and all. And he said, I never exercised. He said, that's why I got fat. Well, he went and had that surgery at Bubba and them's had, and he has lost 280 pounds. 280 pounds. I said, Ricky, you got to feel better. He said, boy, I sure do. He went six weeks ago. <laughs> what did I tell you, honey? Twenty? They cut twenty inches of stomach out. The skin. Because that's how huge he was. Twenty inches. I, I said all that to say this. What is holding you back from doing what's right? I'm not talking about losing weight. I'm talking about getting right with God. See, Ricky come to the point he knew he couldn't do it on his own, so he went and had the surgery to help him 
Then he had to go back and have surgery to get rid of the results. Now, I'm asking you this morning, have you been to the cross of Calvary and got rid of the things that so easily beset you? I believe the Bible teaches us to run this race with patience. I believe it says laying aside every weight. I believe it's Hebrews 12 and 1, I believe it is. Somebody look it up, I believe it is. Somewhere in there. Lay aside every weight that so easily beset us. What is your weight? You need to close the door to some things. You need to quit letting them into your life. Ricky acknowledged that what got him in that shape was him sitting behind the desk eight, ten hours a day drawing diagrams, and that's all he done. And when he left, I'll tell you something. How many in here has ever had a desk job? That's more tiring than digging a ditch. You go home, you're mentally exhausted. Oh, I had them jobs where I sat behind the desk with a three-piece suit on. I just soon dig a ditch. Why? Because I can lay the shovel down. But that brain work, you can't lay it down. It goes home with you. It goes to bed with you. You wake up with it. And 24 hours a day, you're thinking about it, trying to do it. We need to lay some things aside, amen, where God can renew our mind and lay the weight beside us that so easily beset us. And we need to begin to run this race. And until you close that door on your... Listen, let me help somebody right now. Until you close that door on your past and go forward to the mark of the high calling, you'll never get past your past. We've all got a past. Hey, we we were all born into sin. We all had sin in our lives for a season. But a Christian should be pressing towards the mark of the high calling. And to do that, we're going to have to shut some doors. I wondered how many mocked, sneered, and jeered, and maybe even throwed rocks and laughed at old Noah. I wonder how many laughed at his son. I wonder how many of the young folks went by and said, Hey, y'all ain't having no fun. You know that, right? You ought to just lay that hammer down. You ought to lay that, uh, them tools down. You ought to go out with us Saturday night and, and we're going to get drunk and we're going to have a party and we're going to dance and we're going to have some women and we're just going to have a good time. You ain't never had a good time. How many's ever heard that in the back of your mind? How many's ever been told that in your lifetime? Amen. Good friend of mine there got saved said, I didn't have one thing to live for. That's what he told me. I heard right after I got saved, met him in my driveway. He said, why, you ain't got one thing to live for. I looked at him, I said, I just began to live. I really know what living's all about now. Now think about it. It rained 40 days and 40 nights, so they heard that water pounding on the roof. And listen, folks, that rain we had last week, we barely could hear in here, probably was nothing to that flood. My first cousin lives over on the Cane River. Years ago, y'all remember in the 70s when it flooded Cane River? 
he lived right beside the brick church there and his house was just up on a little higher ground than the church and it was in a bow of the creek from the road down to the creek was a good 50 feet the water got so high it washed that brick church completely away where he lived he showed me the watermark on the other side. When you went down to the creek, it went out of the creek up through a long hay field up into the woods, probably a 12, 15 acre hay field. And the water line was way over yonder in the woods. If you pulled a string across there, that little old Cane River was more than a mile wide right there at his house. Now think about that. He said, we got scared our house was going to go after the church left. And we got out of the house, went on up to the barn. And he said, it was raining so hard, we had to put our hands over our ears. We couldn't stand the noise. That's how hard it was raining. So you know what Noah and his family heard for 40 days and 40 nights they heard that. But a lot of people think it ended there. No, no, no. They were afloat 150 days. You know the trouble with a lot of folks? They think they're just going to float on by. Oh, I went to church once in my life. I put $2 in the offering plate. Oh, I've been to the river and been baptized. Listen, friend, baptism don't save you. Going to church does not save you. Paying your tithes does not save you. That is evidence of being saved. But it does not save you. There's a lot of lost folks, and I'll be the first to admit I've baptized some of them. You say, preacher, how you know that? I ain't seen them since I baptized them. And no other church has either. So they were lost when they went in. They were lost when they got up, and you don't see them no more. Better close them doors. You better quit playing church. You better get ready because the rapture's coming, amen. You, you think it's been bad? You wait till we're in the same mess that Ukraine's in. The bombs are dropping. Bullets are flying. You think that's bad? Wait till the rapture happens and fire and brimstone comes down. Hey, where are you going to hide then? You can't dig a deep enough shelter. You can't hide from God. The only way you can hide for God is, is to do what God said and get in the safety of the ark and let God close the door. Amen. How many wants to go to heaven? About everybody you talk to. Why aren't they living a saved life? Where's the evidence? Where's the proof? Prove that which is good and acceptable. And perfect will of God. Middle Cross sings another song about the rocks crying out. He said, you're the perfect will of God, but if you won't obey, we'll cry out. We didn't have a voice. We weren't born with a voice, but we'll cry out. Is it going to take something like that for you to realize that God has closed the door on you. When God closes the door on you, friend, the Bible said no man can open it. No man can open that door. I can't pray you out of hell. I can't pray you into heaven. I cannot close the door for you. 
The only thing you can do is close your doors and let God close the rest of them. But if we ever ask God, hold on just, no, Lord God, don't take me there. Please, Jesus, don't make me go there. Have you ever asked God to help you get rid of your nasty habits? <laughs> i never forget Trendy Hill, a lady I love dearly, asked me to pray for her to quit smoking. I got her by the hand right there in the church, and I said, God, every time she lights a cigarette up, let it taste like a mule biscuit. She snatched her hand out of mine and said, don't pray that. I said, well, do you want to quit or not? I mean, as long as they're tasting good and you're liking it, you're not going to quit. They go to tasting like a mule biscuit. Of course, a lot of them don't know what a mule biscuit is. That's the last proceeds of the grass he ate the night before. And they come out with a flavor and a smell. Yeah. <laughs> so if it tastes like cat, you ain't going to want it. You don't want to know what I prayed for the guy that asked me to help him quit drinking. Just get a little oar on the horse and you know what I prayed for. He looked at me like I had two heads. I said, are you serious about quitting or you just want some help so you can justify your drinking? Now think about it this morning. If you close the door, if you close the door, then you have the right to open it or keep it closed. And be assured Satan will try to draw you right back into the mess you came out of. He'll put it on sale. He'll have one of your friends show up with a whole cooler full of it. A five-bound, what do they call it? Uh, rocks. Five-pound of rocks. Ain't that what they call it? <laughs> You'll be like the black man down there in Morganton. He didn't have but one rock. And him and his brother was smoking it, and he was trying to get the most of it. But see, God was already dealing with him, wanted him to go to church, and he had already promised his wife he'd go to church. You remember the story of me telling you about the poplar tree? And when he looked up, the sky was on fire, and he said, Oh, God, not now. Not now, Lord. I, I'm in no shape for you to come now. Hey, they weren't in shape when the water began to flow either. When it comes your time, you're leaving here regardless of the shape you are in. And God will judge you for every deed done in your body, whether good or evil. So are you going to close the door this morning, or are you going to keep her wide open? This is the one they'll say. I like to keep my options open. Well, there's some things in my life I don't want no more options at. Some in the past that I don't want nobody to have options for. Amen. So take it by experience. If Noah found grace in the eyes of God and he is put in that Bible, he was put there to help you and I not to go through the same mess the rest of that crowd went through. There is safety if we'll get on board. There is safety if we'll let God close the door. There is safety if you'll get up and let God bear you up instead of drowning you with that crowd. There is love and mercy for whosoever will. 
But how many of us really want God's will? You know, if you do God's will, some of you are probably going to end up preaching. You know if you do God's will, some of you is going to end up teaching a Sunday school class or a Bible school or singing in the choir or singing a solo. See, we're closing the wrong doors, folks. We want to close the door to what God really wants for us and do what we want, when we want, how we want. But when it comes to dying time, we want God to let us in. Can you imagine what they heard? The only hope I believe that they had was it was raining so hard and they were on the top floor and the sound of the rain drowned out the screams. Phil, it would be hard for me to close the door. It would be hard for me to close that door. First thing it screamed, I'd open it and we'd all drown. Hello? That's the reason God closes the door. Because when God closes it, nobody's going to open it. And the way that was designed, the more water that came up, the more pressure it put on closing it. So once that ship began to float, there was definitely no hope. I'd often wondered why God had it three stories high, and I came up with this conclusion. He had it built three stories high, first of all, for the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Second of all, they couldn't reach that third story to climb over. And by the time it got to where they could, they'd all drowned it anyhow. Now think about that. You think God didn't think that out? Because he knew, and the Bible tells us this, if you come up any other way other than Jesus Christ, you're a thief and a robber. So if they could have got up over the side and got in safety, they'd have been a thief and a robber, wouldn't they? And God would have been a liar. But see, God has never lied, you and I. We've lied God a lot. Because we haven't closed the doors to sin in our life. Because we haven't closed the doors to our laziness, our slothfulness, our unconcerned. We are in a mess in America today because the Christians have not stood up and voiced up. And we are in a mess because of it. When they took prayer out of school was just the tip of the iceberg. Then they began to take the Ten Commandments down. Not only in the school, but the courthouse. And all public display. We want God. Listen, our government wants to be your God. That's exactly what they're after. Hitler said it to the churches when he took over. And they came to him and said, Hitler, what about the soul of Germany? Meaning churches. Hitler said, I am the soul of Germany. In other words, I'm going to take everyone to hell I can. 10 or 11 million died because of him. Stalin, I believe, killed 100 million. Now think about it. A couple of hundred million people perished simply because one was trying to destroy the old ship of Zion. 
Are you with me? You know the sad thing of it is, church, if you're not for us, you're against us. How many of us right here today are truly saved? You need to ask yourself that question. Am I truly safe from going to hell? Am I fully on board? I got in, I got on, and I'm going through. Are you? Are you really on board with us today? Well, if you are, then listen to this. Much more as you see the day approaching. What is he talking about? Gathering together. We need to start having more church, not less. You ain't seen nothing yet, friend. What's happened in the last five years? Listen, gas has doubled. The economy has went down. Our illustrious president got on television Saturday and he said, oh, there's more people working in America than it ever has. <laughs> How can you say that when unemployment's 9%? That, that, that don't, I don't know what kind of calculator he's using. But you think about it. How many is truly on board? How many is truly on board today? How many is truly say, I am going through because I'm following the book. I'm living the best I can. Hold on just a minute. Hold on. Please don't say that. Because we could all do better. We could all. Move up a notch. We could all repent more, pray more, read more. We could all give more. More of our ties, more of our time, more of our talent. We could, we could give more work out here in the yard, on the building. We could all do a little bit more. I'm closing, now listen. I often wondered how many that were drowned and said, I wished I'd have carried that board when he asked me to. I wished I'd have spent a few hours working with him when he asked me to. I wished I'd have listened to that message instead of, uh, of mocking him and spitting on him and cursing him and laughing at him. I, I wished I'd have done that. You say, preacher, what scripture you got for that? Well, there's an old boy in the Bible said, almost thou persuadest me. I believe he's still in hell today saying that. I almost made it. I almost got on board. I almost was going through. I almost. I almost. And he'll say that for eternity. How many almost do we have here? Almost I'll help you preacher. Almost I'll sing with you preacher. Almost I'll work with you preacher. I almost will go to the choir. I'll almost give a little more money, a little more time, a little more of my talent. I'll almost do that, preacher. I'm almost persuaded. 
that your message this morning was directed for me and I need to do just a little bit more. The first step you can make is to this altar of repentance. Don't let it be an almost repentance as we stand and bow our heads. Play that song again, David. And you listen to this song as the altar is open and it's waiting on you this morning. Almost.